Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, November 26th, we look at Lesson 9, Contrary Passages. Together, let's look at some of these difficult passages and what the Bible congruently has to offer. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. All right, here we are, Lesson 9, Contrary Passages, memory text coming from John chapter 5, verse 39. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Uh, this this week, Michael, it's going to be a little bit more difficult just because these are passages that when you talk to people about the state of the dead, they say, well, what about you insert one of these stories or one of these parables, one of these scriptures we're going to talk about today. So hopefully it gives our audience, I won't say room or ammunition, but it gives you a response that's loving, right? So make sure you come in here with the response, not I'm right and I'm going to prove you wrong, but you come mm-hmm. in this with a I have a heart for Christ and I want to show you his full unveiling of truth. Yeah. Are we being actually faithful to scripture and not just like making scripture say what we want it to say? Exactly. We're not, we're not trying to proof text here. We're using real historical data as well as biblical data, as well as, and I truly believe this, God has given us a sound mind, right? So we're using our sound <laughs> minds as well. So Michael, that, that saying that, tell us about the rich man and Lazarus. Absolutely. So here's this uh, very, very interesting uh, story or parable, I guess you'd say, that that Jesus tells. And this is probably the number one question or text that I have run into that people say, well, if you believe that the person sleeps when they die, what about this story? Same story is found in. All right. Well, it's not just me. then. (laughs) Luke chapter 16 verses 19 through 31. I'm not going to take the time to uh, read all of that, but there's the rich man and the beggar, and uh, eventually the beggar dies, and uh, the angels carry him to Abraham's side, and also the rich man is there, and he's tormented, and he looks up and have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tongue of his finger in water and hmm. cool my tongue. So he's like, he's like burning, right? I mean, this, right. Is, this is Hades. This is, this is terrible. And, um, and then Abraham replies that you've received your good things. All right. To the, to the rich man. while Lazarus has received the bad things, the beggar, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And, um, so, so there's this kind of uh, question of this parable, this story, is, is Jesus using this theologically to say there is an active kind of hell uh, in which they are burning and being tormented? And, and I, I think really, you know, it's like a lot of different things in the Bible. And uh, for those of our Adventist listeners that may be familiar with Ellen White, this is where reading all of scripture really matters and yes. not just taking one little isolated passage. Systematic um, theology. Just, exactly. Exactly. I'll just give a, a example. Ellen White wrote a letter to her son Edson and said, Jesus doesn't love naughty little boys. She was a mad mama upset <laughs> that, 
that he had been messing up uh, his grandfather's tools. And so I think um, I got that yeah. letter once before from my mom. <laughs> you got sure that not. letter too, huh? <laughs> I, I think we've probably all gotten that letter. Yes, we have. And, and, and I would caution and say, well, I don't, I don't think Ellen White's trying to make a theology that uh, that's not a, a theological statement that she's trying to, that it's a pragmatic, it's a mother who's just upset. And, and I think um, we have to also understand the Bible that there are, stories or parables where Jesus isn't literally trying to say this is a theology of heaven and hell. He's using um, the idea of reversals, right? So here's a person living in in richness and not taking care of the poor around him. And then those roles are reversed. And so this idea of reversal. um, And so there's a lesson that we need to pay attention uh, how we live in the present and because uh, and, otherwise it just scripture is inconsistent. And there we go. And um, but we, we have other examples of parables, right? Uh, right. That uh, where where Jesus isn't giving a literal kind of example. And I, I, the lesson gives several different examples here, um, uh, you know, a, along those kinds of lines. So um, I think it's a very reasonable explanation. And um also helps us to understand kind of the overall thrust of scripture, which we're studying in the, the lesson itself. And um, and so, yeah, I, I think this is important for us um, to remember that God doesn't take joy and pleasure in torturing others. No. It just seems so antithetical to the character of God. Uh, right. what, just for even a finite amount of time, would God want vengeance on someone else? Um, no. That's another aspect, not just the theology of the state of the dead. So that would just be inconsistent with the character of God here. And uh, hence why I would argue that, again, this is a, a metaphor or a sort of description that helps us better understand um, why we should live a moral life in the present. So, um, but that's not the only text. It's not the only text, probably no. the next most text that I hear often to kind of ask some questions is this word about today, um, the thief on the cross. So Buster, back to you. You know, Michael, thank you so much for not giving away and talking about the comma, right? (laughs) (laughs) I left it there. Uh, But you know, probably three fourths of Adventists have heard this before Mm, about the comma difference. If you've sat through an evangelistic series, uh, every Mm -hmm. evangelist will share this, but Luke 23 verse 43, uh, Jesus speaking to the thief on the cross, who's asking for forgiveness and repentance and, Mm -hmm. and admits that he's the the son of God. Right. So he says, Mm -hmm. truly, he said to him, uh, and, and he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise, but Mm -hmm. we have the, uh, dealings of English grammar versus Greek grammar. And the lesson brings up some very good points. It's talking about this word that is used there uh, for today, semeron, uh, which is actually followed by the verb to be and meaning that it is something to be, uh, and that's actually proceeded to tell. So Jesus is saying today, I am telling you this, right? So not I'm telling you that today, there's no that I'm telling you this today. Uh, that you will be with me into paradise. So the the emphasis is when he is telling him and not when he's going to be in paradise. Uh, the emphasis is connected the, with the adverb, which is there with is truly, I'm telling you today, that's where the emphasis is. You will be with me in paradise, right? So comma uh, after today, uh, there's something else to be said here. Move that comma. Uh, and most 
uh, translations will not put it there. They'll put it, they'll put the comma right before, but we put it after. And we have some congruences, some congruency with scripture, if you will, Michael, uh, that's in John chapter 20, verse 17, the lesson brings up. Uh, Jesus told her, this is Mary Magdalene, do not hold me for I have not gone to my father, but tell my disciples that I'm going to the one who is, uh, who is my father and my God, as well as your father and your God, right? Uh, and so we see here Jesus saying, I haven't been to heaven. How can the thief on the cross be with him in heaven today if he hasn't been there yet? And mm-hmm. there's something else, the angel coming down to awaken right to help jesus from the tomb he didn't bring jesus down with him he came down the angel came down right uh mm-hmm. and then finally there john 14 1 through 3 he's telling the disciples i'm going away to prepare a place for you but when mm-hmm. i come again i will you know there you will be also he's talking about the second coming and that's when he's mm-hmm. coming back for his disciples so it's important to put all those things together and tell the tell the people you talk with converse with just move that comma and think about it once again in the congruency of scripture. So mm-hmm. how about this notion, Michael, Tuesday's lesson to depart and be with Christ. All right. So again, we're looking at some Pauline passages now. Uh, I Pastor think we're Paul. packing it all, all in, <laughs> in this, uh, this lesson, all these uh, challenging texts Yes. and uh, Philippians chapter one, verses 21 to 24 and First Thessalonians chapter four verses thirteen to eighteen, and uh, these is this notion that um, uh, to live in Christ now. Um, and it, uh, let me just read the passage. Do it. Do uh, it's, it. it's quite short, and I, I'm reading from the NIV. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So, uh, yeah, so so some people are trying to to argue and say, well, that just means when you die, look, you depart and be with Christ. But I I think you really have to read into the text to actually get to that um, kind of uh, that kind of notion. And uh, excuse me. Uh, what I see is is really important here because the the notion that or the whole idea that we've been talking about this whole this this quarter is that when we die, we sleep. The next thing we see is Jesus. So this is right. hard to by this text alone, argue a theology of the state of the dead because it could be and truthfully, it could be interpreted either way, right? I mean, you could take that. Um, but but if that's if there's a plausible explanation that could be either way, that by itself is not a sufficient proof text. Um, and what he's saying is, hey, I, I don't want to die. I mean, I can right. good, you know, next thing I didn't know, I'm going to see Christ, <laughs> or or I could hang out and stay with you guys. So I, I'd rather be with you guys than um, I'd rather be alive than dead, kind of thing, yeah. right? And and. And I, I think we probably all express a similar kind of sentiment, right? I mean, um, I'd, I'd rather be in the present with, you know, I still have some years left to live. I, I want to live. I don't I don't want to die right, right. now. By um, the grace of God, right? Exactly, exactly. So, uh, but at some point, whenever that point happens, we know um, that if we're faithful and surrender to Jesus Christ, his grace is sufficient 
and that we can trust Amen. that we will be with Christ if uh, and when that 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 should happen. So, um, so some boy, we got the gamut here. So uh, we're going from uh, to depart and be with Christ to uh, prison time here, Buster. <laughs> <laughs> so this is another difficult one. Uh, okay. A lot of different interpretations on what this means in First Peter chapter three, thirteen through twenty, and mm-hmm. I'm going to start at verse eighteen. This is uh, Peter okay. speaking, and he says, "Christ died once for our sins; an innocent person died for those who are guilty. Christ did this thing, did this to bring you to God. When his body mm-hmm. was put to death and his spirit was made alive, it says Christ then preached to the spirits that were being kept in prison. They had disobeyed God while Noah was building the boat." But God had mm. been patient with them. Eight people went yeah. to the boat and were brought safely through the flood. And just for congruency's sake, Michael, I'm going to read mm-hmm. verse 18 as well in the New King James Version. For Christ suffered okay. once for sins, the just uh, also for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit by whom also he went and preached the spirits in prison. So people are saying, well, what are those spirits in prison? Well, if you read the context there, it jumps immediately to the flood. And so our uh, principal contributor, they're giving light to saying that those spirits in prison were the antediluvians or the people during the flood times that were preached to and decided not to join Noah and his family on the ark. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's directly tied to Noah preaching for 120 years and no one coming, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Some arguments are being said of, well, he's preaching to everyone who has died to that point. He's preaching to people that are in hell. Uh, there's other people who are saying, well, these are fallen angels that he's preaching to. Well, as we read once again with the congruency of scripture, there is no hell yet, right? Hell, mm-hmm. I think we'll get into this in later lessons, but hell will come and appear uh when, uh, uh, you know, w- well after the second coming, and I guess you can almost say the third coming, right? right? After New Jerusalem and everything else, it, and everything is going to be scorched. Uh, mm. It will be ashes under our feet, right? And so for Christ to preach to the dead, it just doesn't make sense because the dead know not anything. Uh, is, mm. he, is he preaching to a cemetery? No, he's mm-hmm. preaching here to Numa, right? Mm-hmm. And these mm-hmm. were live living souls, uh, I truly believe that. And once again, our biggest notion here, our biggest uh, advocate here would be, once again, the congruency of Scripture. Yeah. Uh, some couple of references this, that gives us here is 1 Corinthians 16, 8, Galatians 6, 18, uh, also Romans 6, 1 through 23. These are all ways for us to actually help look at this and also recognizing that God's principles, he doesn't go back on them. And so taking our theology and basing it off of one scripture, or you could say all of these scriptures mm-hmm. and basing our theology off of them, ignoring the rest of the canon would be quite detrimental to us, right? We want to mm-hmm. actually use the congruency of scripture and use systematic theology of looking at all these. And this is one mm-hmm. of those things that I, I agree with the principal contributor that these are talking about the antediluvians. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it just seems it makes sense to me, Buster. Right. And this is what I was talking about earlier, which is 
yes, we're using scripture to interpret scripture, but we're also using our sound mind. And the sound mm-hmm. mind is not the basis off of, of what we're doing because we could logic, uh, we could use logic or justification to justify anything we want to do, but it's scripture along with our sound mind. It's scripture with asking God for understanding. And I truly believe this is where he's giving us that understanding. And so, yeah, Michael, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to add that. I think also part of it is, is the failing of English language. You know, you don't yes. always grasp the original language. And so you miss some of these kinds of nuances that are a little bit clearer if if one actually knows and understands the, the biblical languages. And in this case, the, the term spirit, uh, pneuma, uh, can mean a living person. It doesn't have to mean um, you know, for example, the word prison, a literal prison, but, you know, we talk about this in English too, as a metaphor, you're stuck in the prison of your mind or there you go. prison of depression or something yeah. like that. And, and I think that's also important to understand in the Bible. It's not always literal that there are metaphors that we have to, to recognize and allow for in the nuance there of we go. the syntax of language, not and, the words, but how the words are used. And sometimes those metaphors have double and triple meanings. Right. And so Mm -hmm. understanding those is so important. I'm thinking of the King of Tyre, right? Uh, Yes, it's talking about the King of Tyre, but it's also referring to Satan. Uh, And so we we see those double entendres that are there. So please Mm. utilize scripture, but utilize it with uh, scripture and also once again, what God has given you. All right. So, Michael, lead us home. Thursday's lesson, the souls under the altar. Last but not least. (laughs) <laughs> yes. yeah revelation revelation six i, I feel like you i feel like you've had all the really hard ones michael i had some different ones but we're we're giving the we're giving the systematic theologian here his his uh his vengeance. <laughs> not not fair that's okay i gotta pull my weight here we'll there see. you we'll go see. You're, you're, you're doing a terrific job oh man feelings feelings mutual this is the fifth seal so revelation we're getting into symbolic language that's the first uh, caveat that we have to be very clear um but but here's this description of uh the voices um uh under the altar the voices under the altar who have been slain Uh, and and this is clearly reference to martyrs people who have given their lives um and the defense and behalf right. of of the faith and and so that's what's what's going on here and so the question is is you know does that mean that there's somehow in the sanctuary somewhere in this whole system of worship is there um some spirit souls of that are somehow crying out okay and um and i think to really get this we have to understand this idea of sacrifice and the sanctuary imagery now while you and i are 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 talking here i'm actually at um the evangelical theological society and the society for biblical literature yes all of those professional religion meetings buster by the way we miss you man we wish you were here we, we love uh, we've, uh, lots of good memories in the past of going yes, to these meetings. And by the way, some of our students are here. I'm, I'm glad to see that. Some are even pursuing their own graduate studies. So proud yes. of them. And uh, anyways, needless to say, um, there's a great paper uh, with the Adventist Theological Society by Oliver Glanz, who teaches at the mm, seminary and yes, his Old Testament. Yes. His paper was on war as worship. War as worship, and he's going to uh, through the book of uh, I think it was Jeremiah, and looking at these uh, terminologies of sacrifice. You see this term sacrifice, and how uh, that term 
uh, is used and it's used in a, in a sanctuary kind of, of motif, right? You know, the animals are sacrificed in the ancient biblical sanctuary, the tabernacle, and then later in the temple, right? So this is imagery of, of sacrifice, but he looks in, in, uh, there and, 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 and God, uh, kind of deplores, um, the sacrifice of, of young men who go off to battle into war. So he's kind of looking at this terminology and right. uh, I found it a most enlightening, uh, uh, paper, but, but I think, um, you know, no one is saying when when a group of people go literally to the battlefield that they are being sacrificed as in a sanctuary, right? Oh. They're not being sacrificed as as human sacrifices. Yet yeah, that analogy is used to show the innocent loss of life, right? So, so we're we're talking, and and when that innocent loss of life, that that that, that you know, it's it's tragic. It's tragic. Uh, and, and I think that's the same kind of thing, right? Um, in that case, it's a, it's a very senseless kind of sacrifice and the, uh, young men go off to battle and die for the, for the lust of power and, and money and, and resources and everything else to conquer other people. Um, and how senseless that is. I mean, from the perspective of God, just think about that. How senseless is right. that, um, that, that people kill each other and people just wantonly, die in the battlefield and and how God must feel about seeing that kind of thing. That's a, a needless kind of sacrifice. Right. And, and that's, that was kind of the point of the paper. And I, I think that actually uh, uh, with a shout out to Dr. Oliver Glantz, who, who's who just is a great, great scholar, really appreciate his, his work. And I think the same thing here, uh, except for this is sort of a noble kind of sacrifice it is. Uh, on behalf of the faith of the, of the work of, of the church and the, uh, and, salvation history. There have been people who have given up their lives. And, and in this case, it's, it's the same kind of imagery of blood. It's sanctuary, it's sacrifice. People have, have given their lives on behalf, not just of, someone else having power, but for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And, and I think right. that's what it's talking about. Their blood cries out. So it's not literally saying there's haunted ghosts. Ooh. Are, ooh, yeah. And, uh, uh, but, but that actually is, is that their story and meaning of their lives has not been forgotten. And God remembers, God knows those stories. But by the way, I want to give one more quick shout out to uh, Seth Pierce, who has a great new podcast called Beast and Bible that deals with all kinds of interesting uh, uh, topics related to that. So if you want something that kind of takes some of these themes Ooh, in a different direction, yes. a new. Uh, so just a shout out from one podcast to another. Uh, yes. That's worth taking the time to check out. So a little bit of haunting, but in a very constructive kind of way that I know that our <laughs> listeners would uh, very much uh, very much enjoy. So, so definitely check that out. But I, I think all of these different examples, if that's the best you got, it just doesn't fit with the overall tenor of scripture. There's so much more evidence. We spent the, the, all this time up until now, and we're going to still spend more time going through the rest of scripture, but uh, we've seen so much biblical evidence and there's certainly very reasonable, plausible explanations that help us to understand that. And um, this is a good reason why you shouldn't just proof text that we have to look at all of scripture. By the way, one more thing. If these, if you want a yes. little bit more and dig in nitty gritty on, on stuff like this, a little bit more and say, hey, you know, Swoops and Campbell, I'm not still convinced. I'm not sure. You might want to just dig a little bit deeper. 
great resource on the state of the dead and these problematic uh, or challenging passages is the book, the handbook of Seventh-day Adventist theology. Yeah. You should be able to find that and maybe in your church library as part of the Adventist Bible commentary set, or you can find it online. There is a chapter in there and it has a whole section on these specific texts. Uh, it's written by Niels Eric Andreessen, former president of Andrews University. And uh, so if you want a little study guide and just kind of dig a little bit deeper, that is a, a superb uh, resource. I just want to leave our listeners with, hey, uh, if you want to dig deeper, that's where you go. I love it, Michael. And I know this was a flyby. And like you said, if you want to go a little bit deeper, I mm-hmm. challenge you uh, to go a little bit deeper. I know even in the lesson there, it mentioned some non-Adventist scholars that agree that this is not talking about, especially particularly your passage, Michael, uh, mm-hmm. Lod, I uh, forgot his first name, but it was saying mm-hmm. that hit, uh, they agree that this is talking about the blood of the martyrs and not necessarily yeah. something that is just literal, right? So, yeah. so uh, this is not just Adventist theology. This is also congruent with others who are reading and understanding Good scholarship exactly exactly mm-hmm. well we've covered a lot of ground today buster and uh it's exciting to kind of keep continue going through this i know it's a little bit more technical in terms of um the the passages we've studied but i think the overall message of scriptures we have a god who loves and cares for each of us Amen. And, you know however you want to look at with at this with the, the state of the dead is that god cares um, not only the present, but our future. And uh, and we have the opportunity, the privilege every day to just uh, follow um, and surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. And we can trust that he will take care of us no matter what may come. Amen. Amen. Well, with that, I think we'll put a wrap for another week. So this is Soup. And Swoops. Signing, signing out. out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.